0: you were trying to tell me john i'm just oblivious man you can't do anything with me Uh, i want to do something i did in the first service uh, for whatever reason and and i feel this come over me many many times Uh, it's not an unusual thing but i don't share it very often but i just want to thank this congregation thank each and every one of you for the unspeakable privilege that for so many years i just have been allowed by you to do this it's It is my gift, it's my joy. I cherish these moments when I can use the gift and experience and learnings that God has given me to share with you and and I'll never cease to be amazed at the privilege. And so thank you so much. Thank you. you. Well, when you hear the term soul rest or a soul at rest, uh, I wonder what picture comes to mind. Most of us would have some picture it probably a little bit different for each and every one of us and, and here's the reality we all want soul rest we all want peace that's another term we might use we, we want to experience it in fullness we want to experience it all the time we want to experience it no matter what our circumstances are wouldn't it be cool that no matter what our external circumstances inside we were cool we were calm we were collected we were clear that's soul rest Now, sometimes it's really hard for us to register what degree of soul rest we have. But as we sit here today, each and every one of us has varying degrees of soul rest. And most of us would love probably to be able to increase, authentically increase our soul rest. To help us get a picture of what soul rest really is, sometimes it's better to look at the opposite of it. So I'm going to put a large number of expressions up here of what soul rest is not so here's the opposite soul rest versus soul unrest as I go through this list kind of check off personally any of these that you think describe you so soul unrest is characterized by stress, tension, anxiety, worry hostility, anger, bitterness jealousy, envy Selfish ambition that's the manipulative individual, insecurity, inferiority, judgmental or judgmental is that's a person who's you know the critic of everybody and everything, general restlessness, inability just to be still, guilt, unresolved, guilt or inefficiently resolved guilt, shame, fear, disappointment, discouragement, depression, desperation, and these last two in particular. Confusion and uncertainty these are the some of the strong re, uh, expressions of a soul that is at unrest now again take a moment and try to register any of these that you know that you struggle with and don't feel bad about it because we are all uh, struggling with these to some degree each of us have varying degrees of soul rest and soul unrest There's no shame in, in any of this but it's important that we kind of get a picture in our mind Now we're in a series called The Paradoxes of Life and each week I've kind of said that a lot of times when we read scripture it seems paradoxical. In other words, it's true. It is stating a truth but it's so foreign to us because we just don't know how much we don't know. We think we know more than we do. But the truth is we're governed by a sense-governed existence. If we can't see it, taste it, feel it, smell it, touch it we're not sure that it's real. Therefore, when we hear spiritual truth it sometimes is disorienting to us and it sounds untrue but it's true the other reason it's spiritual truth is paradoxical is because we don't really know or sometimes we don't really believe or apply sufficiently how much Jesus actually knows about everything created the universe created the atoms he knows us inside out, knows everyone inside out. But sometimes it's hard for us to think in those terms because we think, well, you know, I know Jesus is in that religious box, but when it comes to business stuff and the way we handle ourselves at work, that's, that's different. Jesus got to step aside. But that's, that's ridiculous. He knows more about everything. So this is why spiritual truth can seem paradoxical. Now we're going to look at our, today's paradox, um, and here's essentially what, it's, what we have. Taking on a yoke in order to find rest now a yoke picture oxen and a yoke is something that we associate rightly so with work so it's saying taking on work or taking on more work more responsibility however you want to look at it to find rest seems paradoxical seems contradictory so to get ourselves right into the text we're going to be looking at matthew chapter 11 jesus speaking verses 28 through 30. this is a very personal portion of Scripture, and I think it's important to understand what we're going to find here. This is an invitation given by the Creator of the universe who knew you and you and you and you and, you, and me were going to be here today. His Spirit is present today, and He is giving this invitation in real time today to each of us. It is an invitation that is personal, it's relational, and it's given with a promise, a guarantee, if you want. Uh, at the end of it so that's just kind of a, an introduction here we go Jesus speaking come to me all you who are weary and burdened think of that list of conditions that I had started with and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls notice the process you will you will find it's a conditional promise jesus says if you come to me and if you take my yoke upon you and if you learn from me you will find you meet these three conditions you'll find experientially you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so there's a lot of ways we can look at this but but the first thing I want you to understand is this that as you and I sit here today God knew exactly when we were going to come knew when he was going to put this message in my heart knows the degree of rest or unrest that exists in each and every one of our hearts and in his love and in his kindness he's here today just as present as he was when the words were first given and he is wanting desperately to increase the degree of soul rest Soul peace, whatever term resonates with you, that we have today. In other words, Christ is here today, and he wants for each of us to walk out the doors today, if possible, in a different condition than we walked in. He wants us to, hopefully, walk out of here today, accepting his invitation into a relational process that will result in increasing measures increasing measures not instantaneous and total but increasing measures of soul rest and with all the the responsibilities and with all the the challenges in our world today if there was ever a generation that needs soul rest we are that generation Uh, we are bombarded constantly by messaging and we're the only generation that's ever had that in all of human history all right it's pretty simple come take learn you will guarantee you will find rest for your souls now let me give you a picture of this ox thing because we want to go back first century world this is what a yoke looked like yokes were used again in third world countries it still is used to lock oxen in so that they could plow together they, they pulled together there was no deviation and so Jesus is asking us inviting us come to me that's personal Take my yoke upon you. Lock your head in side by side with me. And notice, it's a yoke that Jesus Himself is already, ex- He accepts. He's not asking us to live any differently than He Himself lived. He's asking us, come and just lock in with me. Let- let's get moving together. We're going to move in the same direction. And then you've got to continue to learn. There's a lot to learn about the way that God created us and designed us that we don't know. And He says, and I promise you, if you'll take this journey with me, you will find notice find it is a process it is an increasing process you will find rest for your souls so here we have it let's let's look on what's involved in taking the yoke so Jesus says come to me take my yoke upon you what what's involved well first of all in the first century some teachers and teachers were called rabbis in in Israel in Jesus day Jesus was known as a teacher as a rabbi They had a certain emphasis in their teaching, and sometimes that was called the yoke of the rabbi. It was the rabbi's emphasis of teaching. doesn't matter which way we look at it. It's the same principle, whether we are submitting ourselves to a certain body of teaching or locking in with the will of God as is expressed in Jesus. It means essentially the same thing to us. But I wanted to kind of give you a picture of that. So what's involved? How do you take this yoke? I mean, you know, what does that entail? Let's go on first of all it entails uniting with Christ an authentic choice to unite with Christ Jesus makes this intensely personal he says come to me he was so different than the other teachers the other teachers in his day would say this rabbi said this and this teacher said that and they, they would just give teaching but no one dared say "You know, come to me follow me uh, I will give you rest so this is intensely personal now when you look at this verse that I'm kind of starting you with it's it's showing that the base element for coming to Christ and taking his yoke it has to be trust I'm not going to submit and the yoke means I'm submitting to him I'm locking my neck beside his in whichever direction he goes I go whatever way he lives I'm going to model or, or try to replicate it and live the same way so I'm not, you're not, we're not going to follow somebody. We're not going to live the way somebody else does. We're we're not going to follow their modeling unless we absolutely, from the heart, trust them. Now, mind you, Jesus promises, he guarantees that if we do this, that it will bring us increasing rest in our souls. But it has to start with authentic trust. The only, the only appropriate relationship that an infinite being can have with a finite being, we're finite, we're created, we're, we're not omniscient or omnipotent, you know, we don't have all power, all knowledge. God is omniscient, omnip, omnipotent, he's infinite. The only appropriate relationship that we can have is one of trust He knows more about everything than we do He is a better person than we are He loves more than we love And so the only appropriate response from us is trust and, and that's all God wants from us He can't give us the life that He knows we are capable of experiencing He can't give us the blessedness that He knows that He wants for us Unless we're willing to trust Him I think we can understand that on, on a lot of levels But let me go to this verse, Acts 16, 30 This is a very critical verse because it asks a profound question it takes place in uh, Acts 16 where there's the apostle Paul and Silas have been beaten they were locked up in a prison for uh, proclaiming Christ Uh, earthquake comes sets the prison doors open and the jailer who's guarding them is ready to kill himself but then when he sees that the prisoners have not escaped he goes outside with Paul and Silas and he asks this question the jailer asks men what must I do to be saved that's the profound question now you have to de-churchify yourself. I think I just made that term up. But you have to dechurchify yourself to hear this correctly. Sometimes to read Scripture, we have to find objectivity and push away from things that we have heard for generations in church. Because here's what comes to your mind. I know this. When you hear the word save, you're thinking going to heaven having your sins forgiven not going to the place of destruction not going to hell that's the typical thing that comes into the mind of a person church that's church oriented that hears this word saved it's not what it meant it it meant it meant rescued it's a dynamic word it it is an ongoing word it's active so it's what must I do to be saved what must I do to be rescued they said so here's The apostle Paul, the writer of 13 books in the New Testament, chosen by the Spirit, here's his answer. Trust in the Lord Yeshua, that's just Hebrew for Jesus. Trust in the Lord Jesus and you will be, what does it say? Saved. Saved. It says in Matthew chapter 1, it says they shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins you see the thing that's destroying me destroying us destroying our world destroying peace on planet earth is this thing God calls sin it's not an arbitrary set of rules that God makes up it is God looking at us and he's saying the only way that the universe can live the way I myself live and enjoy the quality of life that I myself enjoy is that you must we must live the same way governed by love and righteousness and so To be saved is to be saved from anything that is destroying or deterring us from living to be the kind of creatures that we were meant to be. So of necessity, God wants to save us from our sin. But what I wanted you to really see is that trust is foundational. Now, I want to add something to this because before I'm going to put my neck in a yoke with Jesus, I'm not putting my neck in a yoke with him unless I authentically trust him. There's a lot of people that identify themselves as Christians. And if I'm talking to you, this is the best day of your life because you get a chance to change your mind. There's a word in Scripture uh, called repentance uh, that talks about the change of mind. You might be identifying yourself as a Christian because you believe the facts about Jesus. You believe that He came and He lived a perfect life and He died uh, on the cross for your sins. He rose again from the grave. You believe all the facts about Him. You believe His miracles. You believe He was without sin. You believe all those things. And you want when you die to go to be uh, to a place where life is better than it is here you want to go to heaven and you think that by believing in those facts or maybe praying a prayer something like oh Jesus come into my heart or oh Jesus make me the kind of man or woman you want me to be or, or oh Jesus I believe you love me and died for me and rose again you may be sitting here today and thinking that that is your ticket to heaven and I am telling you categorically it is not it is not unless you have entered into an authentic, dynamic union with Christ based on Him winning your trust, okay, then He can't save us. He can only save those that trust Him. He saves us progressively from our sins, and if He saves us from our sins, He can then safely take us to the place where there is no sin, okay? But we have to to be real about this. I'm not going to be able to take Jesus' yoke unless I authentically trust him let, 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 me, let me do it let me give you an illustration I use an awful lot some of you say man Randy when do you want to get some new stuff uh, <laughs> you and I probably even in this past year probably have, have had to go to the doctor how many have had to go to the doctor this past year All right. now maybe you know your doctor now but there was a time when your doctor was a stranger nevertheless you go to that doctor who is a stranger I, I do the same thing I'm just like you and that doctor says take off all your clothes and we get naked in front of a stranger. We do this. Why do we do this? We don't even know this person because we trust them. It may be misplaced trust because it could be the mad doctor instead of the good doctor, but we trust them. Then, then this stranger, this absolute stranger, tells us after examining us, doing several tests, says, okay, you, if, if you wanna stay healthy, wealthy, wise, you've gotta take these three different medications every day for the rest of your life. And we say, okay. And we go to the pharmacist. The pharmacist gives us the pills. We have no idea what the pills are. We don't know a thing, but we pop them in our mouth every day for the rest of our life. Why? Because we really trust the doctor. We trust that the doctor is competent. We trust that the doctor has character that is motivated by goodwill for us. So trust is active. It's dynamic. How many, if you, if you can get where I'm going with that, I, I need you to help me on this one. Will you raise your hand if you can understand what I'm saying by trust being a dynamic relational thing okay it's ongoing it's not static it's not I believe one time in a set of facts about Jesus no it's an authentic relational trust trust in the Lord Jesus and you, and you will be saved now I want to add a piece to this because it just, it just uh, magnifies it a bit it's a verse that I use an awful lot here's Christ depicting himself as the shepherd of mankind the shepherd of all humanity and he says my sheep listen to my voice in other words uh, he's saying those that belong to me their ears attuned to me they respect my voice we find God's voice today in his word my sheep listen to my voice and I know them he says I know the ones that are mine and I know the ones that are not the ones that are mine they respond to my voice my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they and this is the critical component they what follow, follow me if I trust Christ The evidence will be that I will be found following him. If I trust the doctor, I take the clothes off. If I trust the doctor, I take the medication. If I go to the doctor, the doctor says, take your clothes. And I say, man, I'm not taking my clothes off in front of you. I don't even know you. Well, then I don't trust the doctor. If I refuse to take the medication, it doesn't matter what I say, it's not going to do me any good. Following Christ, that's why I will rarely use the term Christian, although it's a legitimate good term. But I will use the term are you a follower of Christ? Because I wanna give you an accurate impression. A Christian is one who has been won over, our trust has been won over by Christ to the point that whatever he says for me to do, I'm gonna do it. Whatever he says for me to stop, I'm gonna stop it. Whatever he says for me to start learning to do, I'm gonna start learning to do it. I'm not doing it because I'm afraid. I'm not doing it because I think that's going to win heaven for me. I am doing it because He authentically has won my trust. I trust Him more than I trust myself. How many of you have lived long enough to know that you don't always make good decisions? Can I see your hands? <laughs> Even when, have you ever been in that state of mind? I just know this is right. I just know. Two years go by, you're like, oh man, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. <laughs> but Christ is not that way. I've followed him now for well over 40 years, and the longer I have followed him, the more I find out he knows more about everything than I do, and man, he always, always really wants what's best for me. He knows it. He knows what's best, and he wants what's best, and every time I listen to him, it works out well for me, and every time I defy him stupidly, I pay a consequence. It's just, it's just cause and effect. Anyway... The yoke involves I trust Christ, and the evidence of my trust is I follow him. And to those that are his authentic followers, he gives this tremendous promise. I give them, what is it? Eternal life. He gives it as a free gift. We don't earn it. So as you sit here today, as all of us are here today, we either have, present tense, eternal life, or we do not and it's not based on the uh, assumption that my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds far far from it it is very clear we are here today as those that have put our trust in christ and are his followers in which case we have based on his promise eternal life or we are sitting here and we're thinking we're pondering about putting our trust in christ and becoming his follower but if we are pondering we don't yet have eternal life all right couldn't be more clear eternal life and they will never perish no one will snatch them from my hand so the yoke involves Jesus says come to me take my yoke upon you learn of me and you will find rest for your souls the yoke involves authentic relational trust that is never going to end I, I use a phrase in here and probably some of you could gag every time you hear me say it but I try to get things embedded in people's hearts I'm going to follow Jesus fully, freely and forever it's a good description of what it means to be a Christian I'm going to follow him fully whatever he says do I'm going to do whatever he says stop I'm going to stop I'm going to follow him freely because he's won my heart man he loves me so much more than I love myself and I'm going to follow him forever because he is infinite he's going to be teaching all kinds of new things all through eternity there's never going to be a time that I'm not going to be trusting Christ following him obeying him submitting to him the yoke is submission to Christ it means because I trust him I'm going to do exactly what he says. It's his yoke. I'm going to do nothing more than learn to live the way that he himself lives. He's not asking me to do anything that he himself does not do. I'm going to learn to live the way Christ lives and love the way Christ loves. That's the yoke. I'm going to submit to his teaching. Let's go on. It also involves learning from Christ. Come to me, says Jesus. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. We have a lot to learn. We don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here. We don't know how to live. We don't know where we're going. We don't know why things are as they are in the world unless we go to God, sit at his feet, learn the truth about God, the truth about life, the truth about ourselves, the truth about others. So we have a lot to learn here. We don't even know. We don't even know all the dormant capacities that God has given us. We were made in God's image. And so we, we don't know what has not yet been catalyzed so that it can develop and we become differing people I, I, i'll get an illustration of that later on in the message. i'm getting a little ahead of myself learning from christ for us today involves having a very high regard for god's word you can't shortcut this we all have the time if we choose to use it we all have the ability these days to read or to listen. If we can't read, to listen to the word of God on you know, CD or something like that. So we can't get around this. So I'm gonna, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I, ha- I have to know his word because that's where I find his will. Every scripture passage, 2 Timothy 3.16, the la- last writing of the apostle Paul, he was about to be killed by Nero. Every scripture passage is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors, correcting people and training them for a life that has God's approval. It goes on to say, they equip, meaning the scriptures, they equip God's servants so that they are completely prepared to do good things. If I ignore the scriptures, I'm not going to be completely prepared to do good things. And I can't be involved in Jesus' yoke and learning from him if I ignore the scriptures because that's his chosen methodology in this age to teach us and to bring rest eventual rest increasing rest to our souls so what's the next the next part what's what's involved in finding rest I mean what what does this look like what does it entail this rest that Jesus talks about he says come to me take my yoke upon learn of me and you will find it's a process it's cause and effect you will find rest for your souls let's break it down a bit first it's a reconciliatory rest and I know that sounds a little out there but bear with me part of the reason that we experience unrest in our souls is because we are not sufficiently connected to our creator it seems foreign to us because we can't see him we can't hear him you know we're used to physical communication with people but you were made, I was made we were made for ongoing intimate contact with our creator we were built to be beings that live from christ as our center let me let me make it more clear we were beings built that christ was supposed to be always every day all the time the most important person in our life more important than anyone else in our life when, when I make Christ the most important person in my life I love everybody else better I'm a better friend, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband I'm a better employee so it's not like it's going to steal anything from any of those areas so we don't have to feel like well gee I'm not going to put anybody above my children like if you're here today and you're a mom I know you're, you're thinking those kinds of thoughts but you can't do better for your children than when you put Christ supreme listen to what this this magnificent passage man it's one of my favorite i I, I refer to it a lot the book of colossians it says for by him the him is christ for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth christ is clearly clearly the creator of the universe the scripture repeats that everything on heaven and earth visible and invisible think atomic structures and all sorts of um, ancient civilizations of angels that we can't see but that are there way before us visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and what does that last phrase say? for him that's the one we can we tend to skip over uh, now it's Mother's Day and I'm going to take a risk I, I'm, I hope I don't insult Mother's that's the last thing I want to do I learned a lesson about insulting mothers in my first church my first Mother's Day this, this, is, this was actually the truth my first Mother's Day which this is a long time ago it would have been Thirty, almost thirty-eight years ago, so I'm in this little Baptist church doing my first Mother's Day sermon, and so I did this message. And here's—I I kid you not—here's what the points were. I did the secular mother, that's just a mother that's you know apart from God. I did the sacred mother, that's the mother that's committed to Christ and walking with God and all like that. And then I—I I literally ended the message on this something I concocted called the sick mother. The, the, I had a lady so mad at me at the end of that message rightly so she was right she pulled me aside she said you just look like or sound like a person that's got mother issues I thought you're right I do I do that's, that's exactly right that was an awful message terrible message so I'm risking insulting mothers today all right you moms have a level of affection for your children, that you would probably have a hard time finding words that you feel express the, the deep feeling that you have. Um, you you would probably do nearly anything for your child. And your child is like this this connective part of you that probably don't want to insult guys, Father's Day's coming up, but pro- probably we guys don't quite understand. There's there's this just this connection between a mom and a child. And for some of you that had difficult mothers, believe me, there was no mother more difficult than mine, so I understand how this might be a disconnect. But for you that are here that love your kids, what I'm about to say to you may be, sound insulting, but it's not meant to be. No matter how much you love your kids, no matter how strong and intense your feelings are for your kids, Christ's feelings for you dwarf your feelings for your kids. His love... this is this the thing we have a hard time getting our heads around because we let's be honest we go through a heck of a lot of this life just feeling lonely and unloved even when we are loved and it is so hard for us to get our heads around this when this says that we are made by christ and for him it means he knew you from eternity past he created you with such affection, such love. He wanted you to be his own for himself. The way you feel about your son or your daughter, moms, he feels a hundredfold more about you. And this is, this is hard for us to understand, this kind of love, but it is the beginning of finding rest for your souls, I can assure you. I want you to think about one thing. When Jesus was on earth... It was such a fascinating thing. The common people, the ordinary people that were just struggling to find some degree of happiness in life who knew they were sinners and didn't even pretend to be anything else who wanted to be better but just found they didn't know how. When they went around their religious leaders they felt awful because the religious leaders in those days were harsh and they looked down on the people and if the people weren't ceremonially uh, perfect they were given the impression that God was not interested in them at all but when Jesus came, and Jesus is God, he's the creator of the universe, when Jesus came, the ordinary people, they finally had some hope, they finally had someone that they found God in, they saw God in, and they saw that God liked them as they were, they saw that God loved them, that God stood ready with arms wide open to forgive them that there was no barrier from God's side he was just waiting for us to to come near and trust him Jesus has come to me that was a wide open invitation and so we have a hard time today understanding that our God doesn't just love us generically you know like God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten Son. he likes us individually And he loves us passionately. He made us for himself. If we don't return to him by our own choice, his heart is broken until the end of what we call time. So I hope this sinks in a little bit because this reconciliatory rest is part of the rest that comes to us when we reconnect with our creator but we reconnect with him knowing we don't have to be afraid he's the safest person in the universe we don't have to hide anything from him we don't have to legitimize our, our stupidity and our sins we don't have to be ashamed in his presence will he of course always seek to break us free from sin of course he will because it's what's destroying us will he always remind us that this precious gift called life is something so intrinsically valuable that he will someday judge us of course because our lives matter every second matters judgment is just God's way of saying you know what you might have thought you didn't matter but everything you said or did or felt or experienced it mattered deeply to me and to the whole universe so judgment is simply God's way of saying your life that might be forgotten in a crowd is extraordinarily meaningful and important but he's safe he's the safest person in the universe he's the only one that knows you and I inside out he knows every secret, every fear, every dream every broken heart, every desire and he still likes us he doesn't just like us, he loves us so much that he went to a cross and said I want you to see how unshockable is my love how unstoppable is my love all I want you to do is just be willing to trust me come unto me, said Jesus take my yoke upon you and learn from me and you will find progressively experientially rest but it starts with getting reconnected our roots are in Christ we were made by Christ and for Christ wouldn't it be something if you got up every morning for the next month and you looked in the mirror and you said you whatever your name may be you were made by christ he thought you you were on his heart from all eternity he made you for himself he loves you more than any parent can love their dearest child i think that would be a transforming thing and it would start to give us some of this rest for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones dominions rulers authorities all things were created through him and for him it goes on he's before all things and in him all things hold together or cohere or find their uh, appropriate place for in him meaning Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell here the scripture is saying Jesus was God made clear for us so that we could really know the heart of God and through him to reconcile through Jesus to reconcile all things himself now you don't have to reconcile something unless there's a relational breach so when Satan slandered God to humanity in the Garden of Eden and said, you know, God doesn't have your best interests. He's holding you back. He's keeping you dumb. He has a weak ego. He needs everybody bowing down to him. When, when humanity bought that, a breach, we no longer... Uh, trusted God we were disinterested in God frankly and distrustful of him but now God revealing himself in Christ on the cross in particular is meant to pull us back that this almighty being is the most tender the most gentle the most loving being in the universe reconciling himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross it, it, it's that vulnerable side of God that's revealed in him, uh, Christ on the cross that is meant to pull us back and to rebuild our trust in God so this is kind of the core components of this 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 peace this rest that Christ brings to our soul if I could go on the other part of this rest is what I call realignment rest it is that once we have trusted Christ once we come to Christ once we take his yoke, once we continue to learn, he now wants us to discover the kind of beings we were meant to be and the things we were meant to do. We have dormant capacities in ourselves that, that won't come alive unless they're stimulated, unless they're activated. There's things, for example, that God will ask us to do that right now we can't do, but we find that when we move with him, our yoke you know his neck is on this side our necks on this side we start trying to do the things he asks us do we find out that what we once could not do we not only can do we can do easily how many of you ever heard me say before that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly how many have heard me say that I, i say it frequently it's true because the truth is anything that you and I are ever going to do well we're going to have to be humble enough to start off doing it poorly I don't care if it's playing the guitar or whatever it is unless we're humble enough to do it poorly we'll never do it well so you and I have to come and take the yoke of Christ the word and will of God and be willing to do some things learn some things that seem impossible okay let let, let me me try to bring this down a little bit where we all all kind of understand what I'm trying to say. There was a time, there was a time in your life, every one of your lives where you could not talk. You could not walk. You you could not feed yourself. Um you could not dress yourself. Okay? There there was a time. You agree? Those things were absolutely impossible. No matter how much you may want to, you couldn't. You couldn't do any of those things. Is there anybody in here now that can't feed themselves, can't talk, can't walk, can't dress themselves? That could be It could be that we get ill and that happens. Okay? You see what I'm saying what was once impossible became possible and even easy so it is in this this realignment rest when I start to become the kind of being that I was meant to be dormant capacities within me come alive I might read in scripture things about you know the being loving like Christ is loving or compassionate like Christ is compassionate and not feel those uh, those abilities within me they might be impossible for me but if I start moving with Christ my yoke you know my head is on one side the yoke is the other what was once impossible for me becomes possible and even easy but I'm being transformed gradually here, here we go 2nd Corinthians 3 it says and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate contemplate means I'm fixing on I'm thinking about I'm, I'm kind of considering it from various angles the Lord's glory That's the Lord's personality. It's just his character. So I'm looking at Christ and and the way he thinks and the way he feels and the things that he does. As I do that, I'm being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So I was made, you were made, I was destined, you were destined to be a Christ-like being. And so these changes that... Uh, Christ asked me to make when I'm in the yoke with him they're not anything abnormal to me the capacities are already in me they're just dormant they feel impossible for example let's just take something about being completely honest which God is completely truthful we might feel like man that's impossible to do but it's not you have the capacity to be completely honest because God has put it in you if if God were asking us to breathe Uh, Oxygen through water like a fish well that would be ridiculous but he's asking us to do things that he has given us the capacities to do and that's how these things get catalyzed as we try as we move with God let me share one more Ephesians 4 this is really clear our goal is to become like a full grown man full grown woman full grown human what is a full grown what is a fully human fully alive fully mature human look like to look just like what is the word? christ and have all his perfection so we have the capacity for this now i can almost hear somebody say, man here you go with this perfection stuff again um you're going to make me feel even more guilty and uncomfortable around god because now you're telling me i need to be perfect cross out need put in the word i can we can we have the capacity a god-given capacity to develop to grow jesus says come to me take my yoke upon you learn of me And you'll find rest in your souls the rest comes as i'm realigning myself with the way that god designed me and i'm becoming who he meant me to become and i'm enabled to do what he enabled me to do or what he designed me to do now i want to go back to where i started real quick remember that list soul rest versus soul unrest Maybe as we sit here today, man, we're, we're loaded with stress and tension and anxiety and worry, even hostility, anger. Maybe some of us are bitter and maybe some of us are jealous and envious of others. Some of us are full of selfish ambition, always trying to manipulate and con and control everybody. Some of us are full of insecurity, always think we're going to be abandoned. Inferiority, some of us feel like we, we don't have the value that others have. Whatever, maybe Judgmental, some of us just live to rip other people down because we feel so bad about ourselves. some of us are just restless we can't we have to keep active because it's too uncomfortable to be alone in our own skin with ourselves. some of us have heavy loads of guilt and shame and fear and disappointment discouragement depression and some of us are just downright desperate and a lot of us are probably confused and uncertain this is soul unrest if we take christ's yoke upon us if we Come to him, take the yoke, and start to learn with him. These things will dissipate. It's a process; they will not instantaneously go away, but they will dissipate. So let me let me close with this little uh, diagram. This is a formula that can't be modified. You you can't take any part of that. So Jesus says, "Come to me." Okay. Then he says, "Take my yoke upon you." So if I come to Jesus, but I don't take his yoke, which means I come to him. I learn about him but I don't do what he says I don't submit to his word and his will This thing breaks down I won't find the rest of my soul come plus take plus learn if I come and I submit to him but then I never learn it still breaks down I will not develop the way that he intends me to, and I'll be deficient in the rest in my soul that only comes as I synchronize with God and with the nature he has given me. So this is a formula that can't be modified. Come, take, learn. If we do that, he promises we will find rest. It's a process with a guarantee of results. Now let me show you something in between. Coming to Jesus is only going to be something we do if we are authentically attracted to him. Everybody's attracted to heaven, (laughs) but that's not the question. The question is, are we attracted to God as he's revealed himself in Jesus? When I see Jesus, do I like him? And do I like him enough that I want to be like him? That's the question we must ask ourselves. Coming. Then there's taking the yoke, which is submission. I trust him, and because I trust him, I'm going to do whatever he says to do. I'm going to change whatever he says to change. There is not going to be one single area of my life that I am not going to allow him to be king, lord, director, protector, and so forth. And then I need to learn. There's just so much I don't know about God and life and about myself and about others. I need to be a lifelong learner of God's will, his ways, his word, his value system, his way of resolving conflict, treating people, and on and on it goes if I do this if I come take and learn if I'm willing to go through these steps transformation authentic transformation comes I I actually find rest inside as we sit here today some of us have been walking with Christ for a while our head has been in that yoke for a while we've been learning his will and his ways and we know experientially we know we're changed that we have a great deal more rest than what we had when we first started some of us don't know because we really haven't come to him taken up his yoke and started the process of learning so that we can grow so that we can experience the peace that he wants us to have so as we close out I said we're going to go through these doors today and we're going to go through in one or two ways we're either going to go through as those that have now accepted Christ's invitation because it's an invitation with the guarantee of finding rest in our souls I mean, don't we all want to experience the life that God himself experiences, a little less stress, a little less tension, a little less bitterness, a little less fear, a little less, a little less guilt and shame and so forth? I think we all do, but the question is going to be, when we go through that door, are we going to go through as those that have signed on the dotted line to enter into a relational process with Christ where we're saying, I'm coming to you today, Lord Jesus and I'm taking your yoke upon me, your will will be my will from now on because I trust you. And I'm going to continue to learn your will, your ways, your word so that I can experience the life like you experience it, which is a life that has rest inside. When you leave, will you be one that's accepted the loving invitation of Christ to you today? I hope that'll be true of every one of us. Let's pray. Father, you're the maker of our hearts and the searcher of our souls. I just pray that your spirit will find in each of us willing hearts that will come to you, Lord Jesus, afresh. We'll take your yoke upon us and we will be lifelong learners of your will, your ways, and your word. I ask it in your name that is worthy. Amen.